All week as I've been in Mark chapter 16, I've been so encouraged by just the invitational nature of God in this story. And what I mean by that is that we see in this text that God is in the business of no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, meeting us and inviting us into deeper places of faith and participation in life with God. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, I hope you find yourself in this this story tonight. I think God has a word for us no matter where you are, no matter what questions you come into this place with, no matter what it is that, that you are uncertain about when it comes to God, I pray that tonight he will meet us wherever we are in all of our questions. Give us more of himself. We're going to be reading in Mark chapter 16, but just to kind of set up the text a little bit, um, where we are to catch us up on the story three days earlier to where we're going to be tonight, three days prior. It was on a Friday afternoon, right in the middle of the day at noon, where Jesus, the Son of God, was hung on a cross and he died. The Son of God taken off the cross and and laid in a tomb later on Friday afternoon. They rolled a big rock to cover up the the tomb so that no one could get in. Saturday passed and and the story that we're going to be in this morning picks up on a Sunday morning, 2,000 something years ago, Mark chapter 16, verse 1. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Sabbath was Saturday, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of the James, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? And the first thing that I want us to think about this this evening is, is the women. I was just, uh, I learned so much about these three women this week as I was just kind of studying and preparing Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome. I learned that these three women were there at the crucifixion, that they actually witnessed Jesus suffering and dying. You can learn this in Mark chapter 15. I also learned this week that, that Mary and Mary, they, they walked as Jesus' body, his dead body was carried and laid in the tomb. They, they saw with their own eyes where his body was laid, where the tomb was sealed shut. I've been so encouraged this week as I've been thinking about these three women and just their devotion to God that we see in this story these amazing women of God and their amazing devotion to him. You know, we see in this story, the way it starts, it says when the Sabbath was over and you see the Sabbath was a day of rest. It was a command that was given from God to his people that that his people one day a week would would, would not work. They would shut the computers and turn off their phones and they wouldn't go into the office and and they wouldn't take any phone calls, but instead they, they would gather with their friends and their families and they would rest. They'd sit around the table and they'd eat good food and they'd laugh and they'd take naps and they'd go out in the yard and, and teach their kids how to throw a football and they would rest and they would enjoy the sunshine. This is a command that was given from God to his people. And what I love about these three women is that they kept walking in devotion to God even when they had confusion, even when there was disappointment, even when there was tons of sadness in their hearts. You see, what I learned about these women is that they were amazing women of God that really believed that Jesus Christ was the Savior and the hope of the world. They'd come to believe that he really was the one who had come to rescue us. 
These women didn't just believe in Jesus like in their minds. They believed in Jesus with their entire lives. It says that they left their homes. They followed Jesus. You can learn this through reading the book of Mark. They supported Jesus and his disciples financially from their own bank accounts. These women were all in when it came to Jesus. They followed him. And I kept thinking about all the things that they got to see and experience and encounter that Jesus do simply by being his follower. If you don't know anything about Jesus, I encourage you to take the Bible. Um, take a Bible home with you. On the way out, they're going to be on your left. Take a Bible home with you and just read through the book of Mark this week. See all the things that Jesus did. The way he treated people. The way he cared about people. I think about all these women, all the things that these women got to see Jesus do simply because they follow him. I look at us and I go, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, think about your life. Think about all the things that you've seen God do simply because you're his follower. Simply because you believe that, that he alone is the hope of the world. Think about the, the prayers that he's answered. Think about the healings that you've seen. Think about the, the, the way that life has become better for people. Because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And I just kept thinking, I can't imagine the feeling in these women's heart as they stood and as they watched this man that they had followed and loved and invested and died. And yet what I love is that they still kept Sabbath. I love that they didn't go to the tomb on Saturday. Why? Because you weren't supposed to travel on Saturday. You're supposed to rest. And, and even in this subtle detail, we see them walking in devotion to God, even in confusion, even in disappointment, even in sadness. I'm intrigued by the question that they asked. They said, who will move the stone for us? So literally, there was a huge stone that was put in front of the tomb back then. A little bit different than the way that we do burials today here in Nashville in America. And their question is so beautiful because it shows that what they want more than anything is to get to Jesus. And yet they understand that there is something in their way. Something that they are unable to move by themselves or even by community. That's going to keep them from going to the deepest places where Jesus is. And I don't want us to know, to, I want us to take note of this, that these women kept walking with unanswered questions. They kept walking towards Jesus with unanswered questions. And I go, I wonder how many of us just need to be reminded of that this evening. That this journey of life with God isn't about having all of the answers. That in this journey with God, man, sometimes we're just more confused than we are anything. So many times in this journey with God, man, we're, we're frustrated and we're sad because the God that we know exists with all of his power and all of his love and all of his grace and all of his kindness, and yet we look at the world around us and we go, man, God, if you're really powerful, if you're really kind, why is all this suffering, why is all this bad stuff happening? And I go, man, I wonder how many of us this evening just need to be encouraged to not quit. That if you come into this place with confusion and more questions than you have answers and you are in the exact, you're in the right place. You see, the people of God have always had questions, have always had confusion. And I love what happens when they keep walking and they keep going. 
Mark keeps writing in verse four, it says, and when the women looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. This is so beautiful. The thing that they knew stood in their way from getting to Jesus, the thing that they anticipated being a problem. When they got to the tomb, it wasn't even an issue. I wonder how many of those things in our lives exist. What are the metaphorical stones in our lives that we think will keep us from life with God? Should we have the faith, the the courage to keep walking towards God? I wonder how many of those things we'll see disappear. Verse five, it says, as the women entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. And I want us to notice this young man in this story for a minute. I think sometimes I, I get in the habit, like I'll just, I'll read scripture and I'll read this story and I'm like, hmm, okay, that's cool, that happened. And I don't really let my, my, my imagination, I don't really let my curiosity run wild. Like I don't picture myself in this story. But I want us to imagine what was, what was going on here because this is a strange sight. It would be like going to your grandfather's tombstone at the cemetery and when you get there, you come with flowers, you, you, you come to, to put something on his tombstone, to, to, to talk to him, whatever it is that we do at the cemetery, to, at the tombstone. I want you to picture, this is what's happening. The, these three women, they walk to the cemetery. And just picture this. You go to the tombstone to see your granddad, and, and, and you get there, and you notice that, that beside his tombstone is six feet of dirt, a mound of dirt. And you notice beside the mound of dirt, there's this huge hole in the ground. And you notice behind the hole that, that there is your grandfather's casket, the very casket that you helped carry just a several years ago. And the casket's laying wide open. And your grandfather's not there. Picture this. This is what is happening. And then to make things weirder, this random guy is there. It says a young man, and, and the, the, what this is describing is a, a man between the age of 20 and 40, a, a young professional. And he's wearing this white robe, and I'm going, man, we don't wear white robes, right? Like, no one wears a white robe around these days. And he sits there, and he's sitting by the tomb, and he looks at these women, and I go, could you imagine what you'd be feeling? Of course they're alarmed. Who is this guy? And what did he do with Jesus? I love the words that he speaks to them in verse six. He says, don't be alarmed. He says, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Several things in this. Um, I love that he says that Jesus the Nazarene and Nazareth was just simply the place that Jesus was born, the place that he was from. It'd be like me saying Brandon from Kentucky or or whatever, Hannah from Ohio, wherever it is that that you're from. It's just a way of designating that this person knew exactly who they were looking for. I want us to really just spend some time this evening and for the rest of the the week, I encourage you just to to think about verse six, to let your heart and your mind uh, 
be fixed on these words and what this man tells these three women at the tomb. He says, you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He was crucified. You know, I don't know what you think about when you think about crucifixion. I don't know if you've ever even heard that word before. Uh, It was a Roman means of execution in the first century. And what is going on here is that, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his body was stretched out on a horizontal beam and they drove nails through his hands, holding him to the wood. Put his feet together and they drove a nail through his feet to hold him to the wood. They put a crown of thorns on his head. A real king would wear a crown of gold and they were mocking him. Jesus Christ was spit on on the cross. He was made fun of, misunderstood. And Jesus Christ, as he was stretched out, was crucified. On Friday, I was, I was reading this story with Finley, my little girl, and she has this little um, kid's devotional Bible, and, and I found myself reading this story, and I just was, I was overwhelmed with like, just tears. I started crying as I was sitting there reading this, and, and I go, I really believe this, guys. Like, I really believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was crucified. And I go, man, all, all week, God was just doing this work in my heart. And I go, if you ever wondered what the crucifixion means, it means this, that you are loved by God. The crucifixion is this great declaration that you matter to God. That you are loved. That you are valued. If you ever wondered... Does God even care about me? The crucifixion is where he screams, literally from the mountain that he was crucified on, that you are loved by the creator. You are loved by God. God the Father did not have to send his only son, Jesus. Jesus the Son did not have to lay down his life. They did because they love us. You are loved by God. You matter. I've had one of those weeks kind of in my own spiritual journey as um, God has just kind of been bringing some things to the surface in my mind. I've been getting up early this week and trying to spend some time just in prayer and before my kids get up, before the day gets started. And God, like I I can't explain it other than the Holy Spirit is just revealing some things to me. And he was revealing to me this week how I have this just deep desire to be known and loved and valued. And all week, I've, God has just been doing this, this wrestling in my heart of, of how much my worth is connected to what I do here at Ethos. How much of my value and worth is connected to what you think of me. In this story of Jesus Christ and him crucified, God has used this week to speak directly into my situation, into my question, into my fears. 
And what he's shown me is that Jesus Christ and him crucified is meant to be the steady kick drum of our lives that tells us that we are loved, that we are known, that we matter to Jesus. And it's not because of what we do. It's not because of how much money we make or what others think of you. We matter because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. If you ever wondered if you matter to God, look at the cross where the Son of God died for you and me. This man says that Jesus was crucified, but he doesn't stop there. He says, he has risen. He has risen. He looks at these three women who literally saw Jesus die. They saw his real body be taken down from the real cross and laid in a real tomb, and they knew that Jesus wasn't just asleep and he wasn't just in a coma. They saw the breath leave his lungs. And this man shows up and he says, Jesus Christ, though he was crucified, God has raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. And what I love is is that Jesus overcomes the greatest fear in the human heart. Maybe not in every single one of your hearts, but but I go, man, the the, the fear of death stands over us. It's a great equalizer. Every single one of us will die. And I love what we see in this story that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went into death and he showed that he was stronger than our greatest fear. And he's more powerful than death itself. And that the life of God is stronger than death. Verse seven, he says this. But go, tell Jesus' disciples, tell his followers, tell the church, tell Peter that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see Jesus. I was so intrigued this week by this message. I want this story just to to soak into our, our, our hearts for a minute. I think this is so crazy. This is so pivotal. This is so crucial for all of us to understand that these women were supposed to go and to tell other people that Jesus Christ was in fact alive that they were supposed to go and to tell Jesus' followers that Jesus was alive, that he was going into Galilee, and that they would see him in Galilee. And the crazy thing is that these women had not even encountered Jesus yet. They're standing in the tomb, and, and it's not that, that Jesus shows up. It's not like Jesus shows up and gives them this irrefutable proof that, that he is alive and then sends them to, to go and tell and to convince the world. No, no. It's not the way that God works in this story. It's not the way that God works in our lives. So often we want the encounter. God is looking for something different in our lives. I love the way that Mark ends his book. Verse eight, it says, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid.
They went out, they were scared. They said nothing because they were afraid. There was one thing that stood in their way of encountering Jesus. And it was fear. I was so encouraged by, by this story this week. And, and this is what I mean. The, the, the message that this man at the tomb gives to them was a message that would bring hope and life and grace and forgiveness to other people. The, the, the message that was given to these women would primarily benefit other people. You see, I was thinking about the disciples this week. The man shows up and tells Mary and Mary and Salome, go and tell Jesus' disciples that, that he's alive and that he wants to see them in Galilee. And I just kept thinking that the disciples, if you don't know anything about them, this is probably the lowest point in their lives. Have you ever had a moment where you stabbed a friend in the back? You ever had a, mo a moment where you weren't loyal to someone that you love? Those of you who are followers of Jesus, have you ever had a moment where you just let God down and you knew it? And this is where the disciples found themselves. You see, just a few days earlier on the Thursday and the Friday, every single one of Jesus' followers, his closest friends, they watched as Jesus was arrested. And they watched as Jesus Christ stood by himself on trial. They watched as their king, as their friend was beaten and spit on. I go, could you imagine your best friend being, being on his deathbed in the hospital and someone walking by and spitting on them? This is the picture of what happened on Jesus Christ on the cross. They watched as their friend and mentor who had called them and provided for them and loved them and Jesus' disciples did nothing. And what I love is that these women were given a message to go to these dejected guys who probably thought their treason was beyond fixing, who probably thought that there was no way that, that God would ever want them because of how much they had let God down. And these women would get to be the ones that go and tell them, hey, Jesus is alive. These women would get to be the ones that help these guys experience the forgiveness and the resurrection and the deep love of Jesus Christ. And the text tells us that they did nothing. They did nothing because they were fearful. And as a reader of this text, I go, are you kidding me? Like, how in the world, if, if this had happened, like, if, if this was happening to us, if, 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 if this man showed up and said, hey, Jesus is alive and he will meet you in Galilee, how in the world could you let fear stand in the way of, uh, of moving you to where Jesus was? And how in the world could these women, how could fear be so strong in their lives that would keep them from speaking this message of forgiveness and grace and life, that Jesus Christ was alive and that he wasn't angry, but that he has come to forgive them, that they st he still wants them on the team. And I go, how in the world could fear have that much room in their hearts? How could they be so selfish? How could they be so cowardly? And I was just convicted this week as I was judging these three women, I realized that this is me. 
that too often fear is not only what keeps us from encountering Jesus, but it's what keeps us from bringing his good news of forgiveness and grace and realness to the world around us who are dying to be told. Fear just has this way of paralyzing us, doesn't it? We're fearful of what others will think. I'm sure these women were fearful that that if they went and told the disciples, there there was something in their heart. They didn't believe that Jesus was actually gonna show up. I go, do you relate to that? Have you ever been fearful about inviting someone to church or getting to know one of your neighbors or or studying the Bible with someone? Have you ever been been nervous? Have you ever been fearful of, of investing in someone that doesn't know and love Jesus because you're afraid that Jesus Christ won't show up, that they go, we're fearful. God was speaking into my situation this week. I'll let you in on something that he's been doing in my life. About a month ago, um, God had put it on my heart that once a week I was supposed to um, just go downtown and literally just, just walk around Nashville and, and pray and meet people and share the good news of Jesus. And if people were thirsty to give them water and if people needed a ride to give them a ride, like God was like putting it in my heart to just to be available all day. Like, and I have not done it yet because I've been so fearful. Fearful. Fearful of Of what, Brandon? God is like so good and and I believe in him. I believe that he died. I believe that he really rose. And I believe that he is giving us as followers of Jesus this amazing message that will bring hope to the hopeless, that will bring life to those who are in darkness, that will encourage the weak and the weary that God is alive and that he loves them. And I go, man, let us not be crippled with fear. And God has just been asking me this week, Brandon, are you gonna be fearful? And I'm telling you this story tonight because I'm I'm not gonna be fearful. As my family, I want you to ask me about it. I want you to help me get past my fear because there is a a group of people, there are people in our city that don't know God and that need to know him. And I go, for for those of us who are followers of Jesus, this is where I want want us to end tonight. Before these women had encountered Jesus, they were given a message. And this is a space that every single one of us we're living in right now. One day, Every single one of us, we will fully encounter Jesus Christ. Every single one of us. We're going to stand in front of him. We're going to see how real he is. We're going to experience his glory and his power and his love. And I go, will we spend our lives walking towards Jesus, even in our confusion? But we spend our lives walking towards Jesus, even when things don't make sense, even when we're disappointed, even when we have way more questions than we have answers. Will we be a people that go and tell before we even encounter him?
I think so often as Christians, we, we want God to encounter us before we're willing to go. And, us, and yet we see in this story that God wants us to go. And as we go, that's when we encounter him. You see, though this was the end of the story in Mark, this wasn't the end of Mary and Mary and Salome's story. The book of Matthew, the book of Luke tell us that these women got past their fear and they went and they told the disciples and the disciples went in turn and they encountered the resurrected Jesus and along the way that these women encountered Jesus and I'm going, will we as followers of Jesus not be content just to come and to wait for God to encounter us but will we as a people of God go and speak a message of hope and life and forgiveness to people who are literally dying to hear it? Will you go with me? People need it. Will we go? For those of you who aren't followers of Jesus, I'm just so grateful that you're here tonight. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you are always welcome here. And you can come here every week. You can sit wherever you want. And you can listen and you can ask any question. Like, if you ever have a question, come and find me. I'll ask any question. I'll take you out to coffee. I'll do anything I can. Like, I, we want you to know that this is a safe and welcome, welcoming place for you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I love the young man in this story, the young man in the tomb. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want you to think about the metaphorical young men at the tomb in your own life. That are there people in your life that are pointing you to Jesus? Are there people in your life? Maybe it's your your friends, or your house church, or your, your mom, your dad, your siblings, your girlfriend, your husband, are there people in your life that are telling you that Jesus Christ is alive and that he wants you? One of the things that Jesus tells us all throughout scripture is that if you will seek him, you will find him. One of the things that he tells us that if you're willing to follow him, you will discover the realness of who he is. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to Jesus. I love that this man in the tomb, he, he reminds me so much of Jesus. The description that is given of him, that he's sitting on the right side of the tomb, that he's wearing the white robe, and, and I just kept thinking, those are some of the descriptions of the resurrected Jesus all throughout the New Testament. See this picture in Mark 12 of Jesus? See this picture in Revelation chapter 1? And what I want to say is this, that so often I think if we're looking for Jesus to encounter us, and I believe that he is encountering us, it just might not be the way that we expect. That he's working through your, your mom and your neighbor, he's working through your spouse and your friends, and he's inviting you to go to him to fully encounter him. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you tonight to begin your life with Jesus. I invite you tonight all the way in that God is not against you. He is for you. And he loves you deeply. I invite you all the way in tonight Step into life with God through faith and baptism. Become fully identified with, with Jesus as you go down into the water. The same way that he went into the tomb. 
and come out of the water the same way that he came out of the tomb to show that, that you are no longer marked with sin and fear, but you are marked with grace and eternal life. Come all the way in tonight and don't be fearful. The followers of Jesus in this room, the people that you're sitting beside that love and follow Jesus, there is nothing that we would rather do tonight more than cheer you on as you step in to becoming a follower of Jesus. And every single one of us, we know what it's like to, to be fearful, to, to step out in front of a group of several hundred people. We all know what it's like to not have all of your questions answered. We know what it's like to have confusion, but we also know what it's like when our hearts are so drawn to God that we want it more than anything else in life. And if this is you, come to Jesus. Come all the way in tonight. Here in just a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to take communion and we're going to worship. And if you want to give your life to Jesus tonight, just come to this respond banner. There'll be some men and women, if you'd rather talk to a woman, up here tonight. We'd love to help any way that we can. Come all the way in tonight. Your story of life, the rest of your life with Jesus awaits. What will you do? Let's pray.